Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast, episode 94. It is Wednesday, September 26th as we record. We will post sometime on Thursday, the 27th. I'm joined with me as always by Zach Henson. Zach, how are you doing? Doing well. Zach, it's... I mean, we're, we live like an hour apart, but it, the weather's been the same for me as it's been for you. Yes. What is this, like day eight of rain? Yeah, this is awful. Yeah. It's, I think really, got, it's really messing us up with our business. Oh, I'm sure. You guys do pretty much exclusively outdoor shots. Yep. And this has been just awful. Yeah. I've seen pictures of like Fall Creek Falls. Do you guys do shots there ever? Uh, we have in the past, yeah. I mean, it's like like a lot of Cookville's flooded right now from what I understand. Yeah, there's uh, any of the areas with like ponds or close to, you know, uh, creeks or anything like that. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, so I don't know when it's going to stop. There's no end in sight right now, but there, uh, there is more football. We're heading into week four. I, c- I can't believe it's already week four. I, this is the last week of September football. And to me, like September football is, is great because football's back, but like football's officially back in October. Do you feel that way, Zach? Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's officially bye week. Yes. This is the first bye week, and we'll talk about that a little later, but the only team I can think of that comes to mind are the only two teams are the Redskins and Panthers. Is there anybody else? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think you're you're right. It's not a huge impact week as far as bye weeks go. Um, But I think as we continue, you'll definitely see more talent falling in the, the waiver wire for our league. So football is back and bye weeks are back. Episode 94, the only one that I really even thought of here, the only player, Zach, is DeMarcus Ware, uh, one of the best defensive linemen of the last decade and a half, two decades. Uh, He was the 11th overall pick by the Cowboys in 2005. Through 12 seasons, had 138 and a half sacks, 505 tackles, 35 forced fumbles. Guy was a uh, first-team All-Pro member four times, nine Pro Bowls, and Zach, he's eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2021. Do you think he's first ballot? I would say so. Yeah, I think so as well. Zach, this next one, I try to be creative, especially now that we're in the high numbers here in the 90s. Last week, I did 1993, the year of my birth. This year of 1994 was a big year for Major League Baseball. Zach, what do you remember about the 94 MLB season? I remember the strike. Yeah, I was a year old, so don't really remember uh, baseball back then. But, Zach, you're a little bit older. The 94 baseball strike, kind of recap what happened there and what was uh, the event that followed the following season, probably the best like event of your young life, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't really remember too much. You know, I remember um, players walking off the field, people, you know, all these people holding up posters and stuff, you know, in the crowd. And I remember seeing, like, the teams walking out together you know, walking off the field. That's really, that's all I have as, as much as a, a memory from that, that time uh, with the strike. But the next year was a good year. And that was the, uh, the years of the year, the Braves won the world series. So how old are you Zach in 95? Would you been like 11 or, or 10? Uh, 12, 12. Uh, yeah. Again, not old enough to remember that myself, but Zach, the Braves are like, that's, that's your team. Oh, yeah. Always have been? Yeah, Dad grew up south of uh, Georgia, so we, we went to all the games when they were 
you know, the worst to first and there's nobody in the stadium at uh, Turner field. And so a lot of, a lot of memories go into all those games. It's been kind of brutal the last, you know, five, six, seven seasons of being a Braves fan But Zach, go ahead and, you know, we'll use this time for you to just kind of talk about the 2018 Braves and how exciting this year has been. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we're going into the best part of the week. This was the best part of my week was the Braves clinching the uh, division since I guess it was the first time in five years since 2013. So pretty exciting. I immediately ordered a hat and a t-shirt. And then I just today got a notification saying that it was delayed, which I don't even know how it's possible because I ordered that hat minutes after they won. So I, I don't know. Is that a doorbell here? Yes. And I have no idea who is that. Is it the hat? No, it's not because it's delayed. So, okay. I thought maybe they were going to surprise you with a hat. Zach, I know you're a big fan of the 47 brand of hats. How many of those would you say you have? Just like a ballpark number, no pun intended. There, there's no telling. And if somebody needs one, I'm more than happy to give you one. All right. Generous. So that was the best part of Zach's week. Best part of my week I had, I think maybe I talked about this last time. Brandy and I had our five-year anniversary of dating, which is kind of like, you know, from everyone I've talked to who's married, they like to be cynical and like, oh, you know, I remember what dating was like and you know, it's, it was fun. You know, we had a good time. We basically ate a lot of food and uh, just went out to eat a lot and, and had a good time together. Um, it's nice when I get to see her, you know, because she still lives in Cookville. So uh, yeah. we try and see each other as, as much as we can. And then for me, and I was texting you, Zach, about this over the weekend, it was basically like the ultimate sports weekend for me. Um, you know, outside of the Tennessee loss or beat down to Florida, which was, I think, kind of expected by a lot of people. Here, here was my weekend. The Titans beat the Jags 9-6 to in that, base, that baseball game on uh, Sunday. Colts lost. Texans lost. I beat Jay and Jacob. Uh, I wouldn't call them like a rival or anything. You know, they're friends of mine. It's a friendly rivalry, maybe. Always good to beat those guys. Uh, I'm in first place in my work league, unde- the only undefeated team. And then, uh, you know, our daily fantasy, which we'll talk about later, but you know, Zach and I, we won this week. That's right. So we will recap that later with our uh, DFS segment. But Zach, with that, let's take a trip around the league. Let's take a trip around the league. Zach, I think we texted about this in multiple games last week, but Baker Mayfield gets the first start this week following. He came in. Uh, right before halftime, last Thursday night, Thursday night football against the Jets, leads the Browns to a comeback win, their first win in like a year and a half, I think it was, 635 calendar days, which is just absolutely insane. So week three, that was the week of the rookie quarterback. Uh, Between Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen gets his first start and beats the Vikings in the most like shocking game probably of the entire season. And then Josh Rosen gets to play really in the most unfair situation possible. You know, he gets thrown in last four minutes of the game, down by two points. And, uh, you know, the Cardinals, you know, their head coach just kind of say, you know, here you go. And I just thought it was really unfair. But I think he, he threw for like – he threw two picks there at the end. Uh, so Josh Rosen, not as, as great a start as Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield, but – that was the the week of the rookie quarterback, Zach. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, were you watch? Were you actually watching that Thursday night football game? Oh, I watched it from start to finish. Oh, okay. I, I just kind of had. I kept flipping back and forth, and you know, I can't with 
watch. And I think I saw something on Twitter, somebody talking about they wouldn't be surprised if Baker Mayfield, you know, came in and tuned in. And sure enough, there it was. Yeah, it was insane. It was. It's. I've never rooted for a team, not the Titans, in in a, like an NFL game more than I did for the Browns that night because of everything they've gone through. It just. It was such a cathartic win, and the way that it happened, the you know first overall pick comes in in relief of of the starting quarterback who has a concussion, and he leads them to this like insane comeback. So, really cool to watch that. Baker Mayfield is the backup right now for uh, Kemp's crew who is, of course, starting Ben Roethlisberger. But I will, I'll call my shot. By week eight, Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback of Kemp's crew. Okay. So, uh, and then some injury news here. We won't spend too much time on injuries, but here's a few that I think we should at least mention. Jimmy G and Rex Burkhead both moved to IR. Jimmy G torn ACL uh, that happened on Sunday. Zach, were you watching that play as it happened live? No, I wasn't, but... uh. I saw the replay. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think I watched the replay as well. It looked like a, you know, it looked like an, an avoidable injury, I will say, uh, for Jimmy G. So you hate to see his season end. And then Rex Burke had a neck injury. I don't remember seeing a replay on that, but Burkhead was moved to IR today, opening up the backfield for James White and Sony Michelle. Um, and then, Zach, you and I texted about this on Monday night during the Bucks and Steelers game. That was one of the best Monday night games I've seen in a long time. Got really good there at the end when the Bucks made that comeback. But during the first half, it was all Steelers. I think it was 30-13 to 13 at halftime. One of the first touchdowns of the game, Ben Roethlisberger drops back, throws it to Vance McDonald, who is, I guess, technically the backup tight end, and he throws Chris Conti in the dirt. Yes. I mean, were you, were you watching this live? Yeah, the stiff arm of all stiff arms. I couldn't believe – I mean, he stiff-armed him initially. Conti kind of drops back a little bit. And then I'm telling you, Vance McDonald throws him into the stands practically. I mean, it was it was like a man and a child. Yes. And Chris Conti, all jokes aside, but I will add a joke here at the end, the Bucks placed him on IR during that game. He went you know, into the tunnel the next day, placed him on IR with a knee injury. But I, I think it was actually a pride injury from that stiff arm. So, yes, Chris, Chris Conti done for the season with a broken pride. Uh, and then one other little bit of injury news here, just kind of a notable player, LaShawn McCoy, who missed last week with ribs injury. He is back this week for the Packers game. And the only reason I even mentioned that is because, I mean, of course, Shady McCoy, big name guy, but I, I – I want to say I feel like Chase Gaw kind of regrets taking LaShawn McCoy with the last pick of the third round. Would you say that, Zach? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like it's kind of like me with Marshawn Lynch in the third round last year. Uh, so I would hope that if Chase does a blog post sometime during the offseason to kill some time, he will look back on this year, and that will be the regret he puts for Big Orange Bullies. Yeah, I, uh, I think that would definitely be a, a good – blog post for chase to do yeah so last thing here to want to mention uh we watched the game sunday night a lot of great i think the the uh the primetime games of week three were all just so great and sunday night was the new england patriots traveling to the detroit lions no one gave the lions a chance matt patricia's first win is over his old coach and bill belichick 
with uh, with the New England Patriots just coming to town and and with all the hype, you know, we we thought it would be just this beatdown. And what ended up happening was the Lions win big. Before the game, though, it's a little bit of a, a rumor mill. It was reported that Gronk almost got traded to the Lions during the preseason, and that kind of is what prompted his retirement rumors. Remember during the offseason we heard about Gronk yeah. is talking about retirement and he's going to go into acting. Uh, so, Zach, what would you – I guess with Gronk, would he be Gronk without Tom Brady or do you think he could play and thrive in a place like Detroit? No, that's tough. I don't know if he'd be the same, you know, without Tom Brady there. It's it's hard to imagine at least, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's a six foot six, two 265 tight end. So I think he could play – He's got that basketball build, like like an Antonio Gates type. So I think he could he could play well, but I don't think he's the Gronk that we know now. I think he's more like a Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates type. But uh, Gronk, I'm telling you, man, best tight end at least I've seen in my lifetime. Oh yeah. Last thing here, this is Zach, you and I texted a little bit about this before the show, but we're recording this. This is right now, exactly to the minute, 9:45 p.m. on, like I said, Wednesday, the 26th of September. Not breaking news, Zach, so unfortunately we can't use that bumper. But this news did break about two hours ago, and that is that Titans receiver Rashard Matthews, his time is done with the Titans, according to Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. And uh, A to Z Sports, I'll give them a, 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 a plug there as well, give them credit for this story. But Rashard Matthews posting on Instagram that he's done with the Titans. How shocked were you to see this, Zach? I mean, it just didn't make sense to me, you know, when you, when you texted it to me, I was like, what, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I didn't know if you meant like, you know, somebody dropped him in fantasy was kind of what you were alluding to or something. I didn't, I did not understand at all. So, uh, just blew my mind that he quit the Titans like that. The sort, I mean, the story is so strange. So he posts a photo on Instagram and it's of his wife, I'm assuming, uh, his, it's his wife and his two kids, I'm assuming. So they're all sitting on this park bench, and the caption is, when daddy's home for good, that is unless someone calls him to get off the couch. Hashtag my team. So it's pretty obvious like, what's going on here. Uh, and according to A to Z Sports, they got a text reply from Rashard Matthews, and he said, everything is good, just wasn't happy with what was going on, barely getting any playing time. It was my time to move on. So, Zach, the first thing that comes to mind here is Vontae Davis, middle of week two for the Bills, just retires at halftime and quits on the Bills. Is this kind of similar in your opinion? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, you know. I mean, first that and now this. I mean, it's just kind of interesting. That's I don't really remember anything like this ever happening before in the NFL. Definitely not to the Titans, at least. This is, you know, this is something that happens in Buffalo or other cities, not here. But the, the, uh, the reason I'm not too terribly shocked by this is Rashard Matthews has had a strange, like, last year. I mean, we'll get into the anthem stuff, but there's been some off-the-field things with Rashard. He was injured all throughout training camp and didn't really get to work with the team at all. He's had, through three weeks, he's only had six targets, three catches, and I think he had maybe – like 35 or 40 yards through three weeks. So obviously he's not happy with his playing time, but um, I, I remember, so after the game was over in week two, we had the Monte Davis issue we talked about where he retired at halftime. I follow Rashard Matthews on Instagram and he did put something in his story. I, I couldn't find it now. Should have taken a screenshot, but it was about basically him saying, you know, you shouldn't judge 
another man's decision for him and his family. He's doing what's best for him. Someday that could be you having to make that decision. Basically, he was the only person on the internet I saw defending Vontae Davis. Ah, okay. So maybe he took a bit of like inspiration from that that whole thing. So I'm not too shocked there, Zach. I will say that this means uh, big big games ahead for somebody like Taewon Taylor. Yes, who is uh, currently on waivers. Who dropped him in our league? Kevin White. Ooh. I went in to pick him up as soon as I saw this news, and let's just say there's a claim. May the highest bidder win. That's right. So with that, let's take a trip around C and B. Don't think we have a bumper there, but Zach, let's recap week three here real quickly. Do you have the all-pro team together from week three? Yeah, the all-pro team for week three. Uh, your top quarterback was Matt Ryan, 48.90 points. Wow. Your top two wide receivers, Calvin Ridley and Robert Woods. Top running backs, Alvin Kamara, 34.80. And Todd Gurley with 24.60. And then your top tight end was Vance McDonald, 21.20. Your top flex position player was Jordy Nelson with 23.30. Top kicker, uh, Will Lutz, 15. And the special teams defense team was Seattle, 20 points. Your top IDPs was Leonard, 26.75. J.J. Watt, 23. And Milano, 21 points. Your top DBs were Dante Jackson, 19.75. And Earl Thomas, 19.25. Bringing the total to the lowest yet, 370.95. Tell you, man, there's a problem with the NFL. Like, the points keep dropping in fantasy. Yeah, it was a good first week, and it's just kind of gone down. It's all these flags. Yep. It's the lack of Rashard Matthews is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think so. So what does that do to the standing, Zach, from, from their performances last week? Maybe, you know, we, we've talked about Rish just still there in first place. I can't believe it. I, sh- I should believe it, but I can't. And uh, maybe who were some surprises there at the top? Yeah, so your top teams, top two, the only remaining undefeated are the Dragon Energy and West Coast Wombats. And what's odd is that they are all caps, and the only other all caps team is your worst nightmare, who is in last place. Yeah, the the caps thing hit or miss sounds yeah. like. Yeah, so it's either home run or a whiff. So yeah, but, uh, yeah. So there's the last two remaining undefeated teams, and Rish, I think he quickly looking here. Yeah, he has the most points for. So Rish is a powerhouse right now. Yeah, I would believe it, man. He's, I'm telling you, this is the year of Rish. I keep saying it. Hasn't even spent $1 in fab. Not one. And he has, like, the second or third fewest moves there at five. Yeah. There's I only mean, let's it, see, one, two, three, four, five teams that haven't spent any money in fab. So, interesting. And they're, they're actually, they're the teams I would have suspected yeah. like Jeff Jeff and, and Rob wouldn't have expected them to spend any at this point Jordan Iwanazin wouldn't have expected Allman Brothers also would not have expected them Matt Suggs I think last season Matt was the guy that overspent so I'm a little surprised he hasn't spent anything yet yeah that's the only one that surprises me as well so who knows well, are there any surprises there at the Pick'em Challenge where are the what are the standings there and has anybody given up yet yeah, so for Pick'em, Pace, you are in first place. Did you know that? No, su- no surprises there. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, last week, week three, I told you for sports, I just was killing it, even even in the pick'em. Yeah, so it looks like me, you, um, who else here? Matt Suggs and John. Um, let's see, we got six right, so we were the highest scoring. So, top three uh, teams in the standings right now are you, then me, then Chase. And then uh, we'll just round it out with a few more. Matt Collins, then Brian Franklin, and Reed Garrison are all right there. Then, uh, let's see, Matt Collins, Ron Risher, Kevin White. So, um, looking pretty good with league pick So, the only people that – let's see, we had some people that did not participate last week, and those people are all at the bottom of the barrel. So, they, they, they may be done here. As they should be. But I, all of the ones at the bottom are in co-managing teams – so not as big a deal. Yeah, so it looks like Courtney is out. Uh, Ross Garrison did not make any picks. Jacob did not. And James, Rob, and Blake still have not made one pick yet. So, No surprises there. Yep. Zach, this is one thing. Let's, just, let's move into the week four preview, and we'll talk about there were two trades in our – league and again we're recording this you know it's it's the evening of, of Wednesday the 26th so things are bound to happen I'm sure before we even post the episode tomorrow but as of this week there have been two trades in our league Zach I think you know the teams involved here because you made both of these trades so we'll just recap real quickly here there was a trade on Tuesday where H&F sent Bilal Powell and Jordan Matthews to Isaiah 4031 for Aaron Jones and then on Wednesday, H&F sends Deion Lewis, Jamison Crowder, Danny Amendola to the Allman Brothers for Le'Veon Bell. Classic three for one there. Zach, maybe just your perspective. I like to give you the floor first to talk about your own trades. Was it fire sale mode for you guys sitting there at one and two? What was the decision between or behind these two trades? Uh, Brian had been wanting to get Le'Veon Bell. Had kind of brought it up a few times, so we just uh, – you know, had been working towards that. And um, I liked Aaron Jones and Brian um, really liked Bilal Powell. So it was kind of, it's not too much to explain, but that's where we were coming from. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure you're going to take offense to this. Like I, I praised you guys last week for the trade because I thought it was, um, I don't even remember which trade it was now. This is, who's the trade last week? Was that with Kevin? No, I don't. West Coast Wombats. Yeah, Reed East Coast. That's right. So, I I praise that trade. Both of these trades, Zach, and I'll just explain here real quickly, uh, and maybe you can counter. So, Bilal Powell, people are high on him every year, but he's still number two behind Crowell. He's not getting any of the goal line stuff, and then Jordan Matthews, I think, is probably going to end up getting cut. So. I think both trades you guys made, you guys just were really fortunate because you had trade pieces in Jordan Matthews and, of course, the Armadillo. So you had you had two players who were just known commodities for other teams in our league. You know, you've got a guy like Jordan who's obsessed with Jordan Matthews, any Eagles player, and then you have the Almond Brothers who are just historically they love Danny Amendola. So I think you guys were really lucky that you had those two pieces to be able to trade. Uh, and you kind of use them to your favor. I'm never a fan of a three-for-one trade. Uh, so, you know, if this works out for H&F, this is a huge, huge win for you guys to be able to get Le'Veon Bell. 
And if it doesn't work out, I don't think you guys lose that much in this trade. For, for Jordan, I wanted to, I was really happy to see this trade, Zach, this week because I played Jordan and Aaron Jones immediately leaves his lineup. He was a starting line, uh, running back for, for Jordan this week and now he's gone. So I guess I'll say thanks for that. Uh, discussion that we wanted to bring up last week, and Zach, you had this idea a few weeks back, and I know you guys, H&F makes more trades than anyone, So, and you, you've talked before about how people perceive H&F in their trades, uh, whether these things are true or not, but just overall, Zach, you wanted to have this conversation for a long time regarding trade etiquette, so I will open the floor to you. Do you have a PowerPoint like presentation ready, or uh, is this like a classroom you know lecture? What, what are we What are we getting out of this trade etiquette talk? I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, just people come up to us and they'll say or they'll text us and they don't know how we got a trade done, and I don't really know what to to tell them for the most part, except that we just keep trying to text people. And the most probably the most uh, common thing that I'm hearing right now is that people are having a tough time for some reason communicating and I've definitely been a part of this um, you know on our end trying to make trades happen um, and and you know don't get me wrong it's not everybody in this case but I the main complaint I hear is communication people do not reply at all um, yeah and, and just to preface we're not here to like name names yeah we'll, we'll be pretty generic here yeah so we're definitely not going to name names but uh, these are just a few tips that I have or that I've come across. And then also I put out the uh, text today and I got some feedback from some guys. So I'll, I'm going to read those as well. And, um, but you know, first of all, like I was saying, just actually reply to the person. Don't leave anybody hanging. Uh, I know we all have jobs and I know they, you don't get a text at like the perfect time, but if you can just say, you know, Hey, if this guy's not, an option. He is not tradable. You know, I'm not interested at all. You know, this guy's not being moved. Um, or otherwise tell him to send something your way. Um, you know, so at least communicate to these people. Don't just leave them hanging with no reply to the text. Um, also don't leave them hanging if you never respond to a trade that they actually send. So somebody sent you a trade and you never even, you know, check it or reject it or a counter. Um, so just try to do that. I and mean, if you're not interested, just, just, you know, counter, um, or I mean, just reject it. And if you want to put a counter, you know, send something back to them. And then they got that little message box, which is really key. I know Kevin's really good at this. You know, sometimes Kevin and I will go back and forth and, um, I know to always check the message part of the email, um, saying that he rejected or countered a trade. And he's got some kind of, you know, response there. So um, that's, that's really good to do. I mean, just like you just said, I mean, just making a decision, right? I mean, I, I've had a situation recently where you, you send an actual tree, you discuss it via text with somebody and they say, yeah, yeah, send me an offer. And you send the offer. I mean, this was like over a week ago I sent this and there's been no response. So that sometimes that kind of thing happens where, you know, over text they say send a trade and then, you know, if you, if you look at a trade and, and you hate it, so you look at it and, you, and you're almost offended, like, this is offensive to me, like, this is insulting, whatever, you know, say that to the person that sent the trade so they know for future reference, you know, maybe this isn't how so-and-so likes to trade. Uh, just at least, like, deny 
reject, accept, counter, make a decision, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely do that. And, um, you know, one of the things I got was if you send somebody, a, you send somebody an offer via text and all they say is no, or you're that type of person where if you, I, I'm trying to think of how to word this, but somebody sends an offer to you and you just keep rejecting it and you don't put any messaging and you, I think that they're expecting that you're going to just, uh, keep sending more offers, you know, like, right. nope, that's not it. Try again. Nope, that's not it. Try again. Like that, that's just not, that's not going to work. You know, right. once that starts happening, um, you, you definitely need to communicate somehow. So we've got the phone numbers for all the managers in the, uh, the document or the files department on the Facebook message group. So just text each other or put it in the, the message portion, you know, of a trade. And I would say too, just like a prompt response time. I mean, and, and be mindful too of when you're making the trade. If it's, if it's during the week, you know, making a Wednesday trade when the players involved play on Thursday night, or if you make a trade on like a Saturday, you got to be mindful that the other person wants, if they, if they ask you about it on Tuesday, you should probably put the trade in sometime in the next like day or so. Cause if you have these trades that go back and forth and linger, you know, the other person or yourself, you know, you'll, you need time to adjust your lineup. And, you know, I've seen situations where people just make a trade last minute on like a Sunday morning or a Saturday evening. And that doesn't really give the other person a lot of time to, to make adjustments. So just be mindful of that. One thing I'll say to Zach, and this is more of like a pet peeve thing, and maybe you don't agree with this. Uh, I, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts here. But one thing of trade etiquette that I've always thought about is people who turn just a standard player for player trade into a blockbuster offer just right after the first text. So you know, someone says, Hey, I'd like to trade player a for player B. So my player for your player one for one deal. And then the next response is like, Hey, Hey, that's cool and all, but how about we throw in your wide receiver one for our, you know, it's like sometimes it's, it's fine to just trade one for one player for player bench spot for bench spot or, you know, tight end for tight end. It doesn't, you don't have to just to go to the top. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would just say that's definitely obviously a little, you know, preference thing on that one. I would just, if I was the other person, I would say, yeah, we're not interested. The only way we would, we would be interested is if we could work out a deal for player a, you know, if that's one of your, your top players or something like that, just kind of let the person know, like, I'm not interested in this kind of, deal but if we could work out something for this person then maybe we can make something happen you know like some kind of package deal or something like that I also got from somebody they said uh it annoys me when a manager sends a ridiculously one-sided offer expecting the other manager to counter I'm not going to negotiate all day send me something I might reasonably accept and we can modify the deal from there um I think I know who said that. Yeah. <laughs> they keep going saying, don't ask for my best players for some of your bench guys and call that the start of a neg negotiation. That just signals to me that you aren't serious. So right. I, yeah, I mean, understand that as well. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, there's obviously everybody has preferences on the way to trade, you know, whether it's just through text or um, actually sending offers and, and going back and forth and stuff like that. There's a lot of preferences, but the main thing is, communication is key so even even if you're at work or whatever just take a second if you can say hey i saw the offer i'm one i'm i'm looking at it i'll let you know or you know just something communicate to these people um 
when they're actually sending trades out. Cause that's the, that's the most thing I he- common thing I hear is how did you do that? I couldn't get them to reply or I couldn't get this person to reply. You know, I texted that person, uh, didn't hear anything for, you know, so many weeks. So just, uh, communicate. And that's the main thing. Zach, you're also a bit, a bit more of a salesman than other people in that I think other people probably give up quicker than maybe you or Brian would. And not to like, you know, say anything negative about you guys. I just think some people probably just get bored or they, they give up on a trade. They're not as willing or open to like have a conversation. Like if, if somebody sends a trade to someone else, and they get annoyed that they're not responding. They're not going to be as uh, kind of bulldogish as you guys and keep following up. Like, hey, did you look at it? Did you think about it? Like I know just in trading talks with you guys, you guys are a lot better about that than most people of saying, hey, hadn't heard from me in like a day. What's going on? Yeah, I would, you know, I would say too that um, if it takes you a long time to come up with a trade, and I'm talking like over 24 hours, you cannot decide on a trade, um, whether that's because you got to text other people, you've got to check your websites or your, you know, message board form, whatever it is that you're trying to, to figure out if you're getting a good deal on this trade. I would highly recommend getting a co-manager because with me and Brian, um, you know, most of the time we can say yes or no pretty quickly. Um, and if we, you know, disagree, then it's probably just not going to happen um, until we can, you know, get on the same page. But it, it's pretty rare for that to happen. Uh, most of the time it's, it's pretty fast. And, it, and that's what's really nice about having a co-manager is being able to bounce ideas off of each other and not having to have something take a long time. Yeah, and not to toot our own horn, but like we're all in other leagues where our, these other leagues are not as, I will say, intelligent as H and R, sorry, as CMB. Whereas with this league, I mean, we're not dealing with dumb people here. So like the people who sent in the, the text to you, Zach, where they said, you know, don't send me junk trades right away to open a line of, of communication. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I, I totally agree with that because like I said, these managers, managers in our league are not stupid. They've been playing fantasy football forever. They know all the tricks. They know that if they look at your lineup, your current lineup, and the player that you're sending is on your bench and the player you're asking for is in their starting lineup, you know, they're, they're going to be kind of suspect. Like they know something's up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's not like directed at anybody. That's just, you know, that's just advice in general, I would say. Yeah. Yep. So that was, I don't know if we hit everything. I know Jake Stanifer had texted me. He was interested in hearing kind of some of these thoughts. So maybe, maybe Zach, I don't know if you want to open this up to Facebook. I know you, you sent, if people want to not be anonymous, if they want to talk about this openly and um, maybe we can, we can put it there or we can talk about this next time on, the, on another episode. But I thought this was kind of good to hash out because week four, not a lot of trades so far because it's early and people are, are kind of playing a wait and see approach. But I think as we move on in the season, there'll, there'll be a lot more trades. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, and you know, main thing is just be sure to communicate. That's it. That's the key. Yeah. So uh, other element of trading is the fab recap that we do every week. Now the show me the money segment. Show me the money. Zach, this was kind of a light week for fab uh, bids. So I'll, I'll just, I'll go over just real quickly and recap the the bids here Chris Ivory, running back for the Bills, won. He was awarded to Greg Co. for $7. And the next highest bid, the only other bid, was West Coast Wombats for 5 So Greg wins him there at 7 bucks. And then the next two were both from uh, IDP Still Suck, J&J. Seattle's defense special teams goes for $2. And I bid them for 0 So 
uh, H&F one out there, of course. And then Jalen Richard, the, I don't know if you call him a fullback, third running back there in Oakland, J&J bid $2 and Jordan Iwanazan bids zero. And this was the biggest week I've seen in a long time, Zach, for what I call the non-competes. So these were players who were awarded on bids that were uh, non-competitive bids. So only one team uh, bid, and of course they won. And this was kind of fascinating to me. So uh, Wendell Smallwood, who I guess without injuries is the number two running back in Philly with the uh, injured players, you know, Jay Ajayi and, and uh, Darren Sproles back in the lineup. He's, he moves there to the number four running back. But Kemp's crew was awarded Wendell Smallwood and the Los Angeles Chargers defense special teams for $2 each. Uh, we talked about Kevin earlier. Your worst nightmare for $3 was awarded Dante Jackson, the Panthers corner. And then Big Orange Bullies gets Tavon Austin for $3. No bids there. Uh, Terrell Suggs, $4 for East Coast Wombats. Christian Kirk awarded to West Coast Wombats for $7 uh, with no you know, competitive bids. And uh, these next ones were kind of strange to me, Zach, but Ryan Tannehill and Joe Flacco, two quarterbacks. You don't see a lot of bids for quarterbacks since we've been doing this fab system, but two quarterbacks, two AFC quarterbacks, two veteran kind of questionable quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill and Joe Flacco awarded the East Coast Wombats for $10 each. Zach, you and I texted a little bit about that one, but were you shocked there to see both of them go for $10 each? Yeah, a little bit. I kind of expected to see one go. I didn't think both would go, um, but they needed a quarterback, you know, losing Garoppolo and then Lamar Jackson was the only other quarterback that they had on their roster. Right. Which I understand what they were doing, kind of waiting it out with the Ravens, hoping that he would take over. But honestly, Flacco's played pretty well. When I saw that they put ten dollars on him, I looked at it, and his, uh, you know, his games, he's serviceable. He's done all right. He's thrown a ton, you know. So uh, it's not the worst option, and you know, they just needed uh, quarterbacks. This puts them at forty-one dollars remaining waiver budget, which I thought would definitely be the lowest, but it is not the lowest. The lowest right now is the next awarded team. Your worst nightmare, Kevin White, was awarded Albert Wilson receiver for the Miami Dolphins for twelve dollars, which to me just you know eyes wide. But if if you want the guy, that's what you got to pay to get him. I guess. I mean, there were no other uh, bids on this one. Kevin now with $33 left um, in last place, but also you know the lowest budget remaining. Um, Zach, were you shocked by the, the Albert Wilson bid? Um, yeah, I think I was just – I was just shocked completely that how little competition there was, um, all the bids and stuff. And, and I feel like it just plays a mind game. It just adds to the mind game of fast. It does. You know, I mean, it's like – okay, you know, who knows what's going to happen this week and who's going to be the most coveted player off of, off the waiver wire. And you got to think in the back of your head now, like, well, I could get this guy for free, you know? Um, maybe yeah. I should just, maybe I should just uh, bid $0 or, Hey, you could wake up at uh three, whatever that Kevin did to get a free agent, you know? And some of these claims, 
you know, these fab claims, like we said, it's kind of like the trade talk we talked about earlier, where you won't really know the result of these until, you know, a few weeks down the road. So like we said, Kevin's already spent $67, all of that money spent, you know, he might, he might not even see the fruit of until week eight, week nine. So it could pay off for Kevin and move him up the standings. We hope the best for him there. So that was the fab recap. Uh, yeah, we gotta say we gotta say that Kevin did set the record as I was just talking about. I had to look it up. Kevin set the record for the earliest free agent pickup so far this season at three fifty three a.m. this morning. Vance, so that was that was not an auto pick. That was Kevin up that early making yeah, picks. Kevin was up. So the waivers cleared at three forty four a.m. and Kevin was up at three fifty three. You know what it was? You know what it was, right? What? What was it? Last week, we talked about the early bird getting the worm with, with Jeff Gall waking up at 5 in the morning, and he was going to make us breakfast and coffee, and we yeah. weren't going to make yeah. – Kevin heard that and set his alarm. Did uh, Jeff win? Did they win this past week? Let me look. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, they lost. They lost. They lost. That's not the recipe. That may not be the recipe. Okay. So, But anyways, uh, Kevin, feel free to bring some biscuits over, eggs, scramble, you know, whatever. All right, Zach, let's move on here with our preview of week four and do our picks of the week. Picks of the week. First matchup here, East Coast Wombats versus Strong Side. East Coast sitting there at fifth place and sixth place Strong Side. So, you know, a close matchup in terms of the seeding, but that really means nothing. Zach, this one is the Youth Minister Triangle, I'm calling. So... You know, Ross, formerly the youth minister at Sycamore, squaring off with Matt Suggs and John Nichols, who have been youth ministers and ministers at, I think, every Church of Christ in Putnam County. Am I right or wrong there? Close. You're close. Very close. So this is the youth minister triangle. Uh, I am picking strong side this week. I know, Zach, you used to say hashtag collusion when it came to this team, but I just I, I like them this week. I think uh, Will Fuller, the fifth, He's he's having essentially a really good start to the year, and I saw a stat today that he has had a touchdown in every game Deshaun Watson has started in the NFL, and you know Stephon Diggs is playing against the Rams, who are without Aqib Talib this week, um, so you know that could be in East Coast favor. But then again, Robert Woods is playing against Minnesota after they got lit up by the Bills in Week Three. And Woods is actually averaging 10 targets a game. So I like strong side a lot this week. Zeke Elliott, too, playing against Detroit. They've given up the fourth most points to running backs in fantasy. So big win this week for strong side. I'm going to give it to East Coast Wombats, although I think they need to, uh, let's see, maybe revamp just a little bit of the uh, defense there with uh, Marshawn Lattimore. I'm not sure about that guy. Uh, strong side's got it looking pretty good over there with uh, their their defensive pickups. I like the Hunter guy they picked up. Um, or maybe they didn't pick him up. I don't know, but he's uh, he's been doing pretty good. Um, but Julio, Fuller, Barkley, maybe Ebron gets it going this week. Crabtree looks okay last week. And uh, see if uh, Flacco doesn't get uh, destroyed by Pittsburgh on Sunday night. I like it. I want to get to East Coast. Zach, it took me two weeks. I, I'm not going to say worst to first or rags to riches, but I did go from last place to seventh place. So last place to middle of the pack, 14 to seven. Uh, so I'm sitting at the seventh spot against Isaiah 4031, who is now in 12th. This one is the, will the real Jordan please stand up? 
also Titans versus Eagles. Picking myself, obviously, uh, I just – in this matchup, Zach, Jordan Iwan is in a starting my flex player's backup. So Edo Smith of the Falcons is his starting running back, who is my flex's backup. And then Bilal Powell is a backup running back as a starter. So if only he had a starting running back this week, I think Jordan would have a chance, but I just I don't see it. Who wins? Uh, definitely giving it to you on this. You should probably try to work out a deal with Jordan uh, for somebody since you have Coleman. Maybe not this oh, week, though. Maybe not, because he has Freeman, right? Yeah, he's got Freeman. So that, that could be a trade opportunity for you somewhere. Yeah, let's look into it. We've definitely traded in the past, so uh, we'll open that line of communication maybe. But appreciate you giving me the win there. Next one here, this is the fourth-ranked Tecmo Power Runners squaring off with the ninth-ranked Greg Co. Zach, who do you have in this one? I'm giving it to Greg Co. on this. Breeze has just been on fire. Todd Gurley, not, you know, best running back in, in football right now. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give it to him. Uh, I like – you know, Rob and Jeff's team as well. Um, maybe David Johnson gets it going. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see what happens with James White now with uh, Burke yep. gone. And uh, Najoku, new life, you know, with, with yeah. Baker Mayfield. That's what everybody's saying, at least. So it'll be really, really interesting to see what happens there. Um, Fred Warner with Greg. I really regret us dropping him. <laughs> I really regret that. But anyways, uh, Greg. Yeah, you took all of my notes about Tecmo Power Runners, but you picked the wrong team. So I have Tecmo winning, but the reason I have them winning is all the stuff you mentioned. I mean, David Johnson, I expect him to return to form this week. James White, he's now possibly the lead back in New England with Burkhead on IR, like we mentioned. Najoku can finally emerge with Baker. And then for Greg, Quincy Anunwa is being dropped at a rapid rate in Yahoo Leagues. And he is playing against the Jags defense this week, and he's starting there for Greg. So, uh, not a favorable matchup there. So, I, I'm, I'm picking Tecmo. Right. Next one here the Almond Brothers sitting there at 13th place against Big Orange Bullies at 11th. I'm telling you, there's a lot of youth minister connections in this episode with these matchups. I'm calling this one the former youth minister versus former youth. This is volume one edition. So, we all know James Lane, former youth minister at Willow, and uh, Chase Goff, Big Orange Bullies, was a youth in that youth group. So, former youth minister versus former youth, volume one. And I'm picking the youth on this one, Big Orange Bullies. Uh, I just – I like Jarvis Landry a lot this week with Baker. This is probably my new favorite – or my favorite new, I should say, quarterback running back pair behind only like Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley. Uh, Landry has had 15 targets in two of his first three games – Nelson Aguilar versus Tennessee is favorable for Chase, especially if he's lined up across uh, Malcolm Butler. He's been giving up touchdowns. Uh, he gave up at least in the first two weeks. Um, and that's assuming, you know, a Dory Jackson can, is going to play up against a healthy Alshon Jeffrey. And I try to be long-winded here, but for James and Blake, Devontae Parker, is he's just a rough start uh, this week against New England. He's just had three targets so far. I know he missed the first two weeks with injury, but I just I don't like Devontae Parker. And then Ryan Grant, remember we had that interview with Zach Kiefer of the Indy Star, Zach? Yeah. And I asked him why Ryan Grant was the number two receiver in Indy, and he said, I have no clue. I don't get why he's the number two receiver in Indy still, and I don't understand why he's on uh, the Allman Brothers. So I'm giving this one a chase. Well, I'll tell you why. 
he's the number two, and that's because Andrew Luck can't throw it down the field. That's for sure. Did you see the? Did you you saw obviously or heard about when they pulled him? They pulled Andrew Luck. Oh yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it live. Yeah, so I mean, clearly the guy cannot throw deep. Um, so uh, I would say that's why Ryan Grant's number two. So, but I'm gonna have to give it to Chase on this one. I think next week when uh, is it? Does Edelman come back next week? I think. Yeah, after week four. Yeah, I I like their their team a little bit more after that. Obviously, with Chicago and Khalil Mack and JJ Watt, they got some great IDPs going on. But uh, uh, I like. I like big orange bullies. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Fournette actually plays. So we'll see what happens. Next one here. This is your worst nightmare. Sitting there at 14th, squared off with IDP still sucks. Surprisingly at 10th. I never saw this coming from J&J. But Zach, from the last matchup I mentioned, this one is former youth minister versus former youth volume two. So Kevin, the former youth minister of both Jay and Jacob. Uh, so I just, I like this matchup here for, for those reasons. I would say to Kevin and Jay, uh, I, I should say loudest, but I think two of the bigger personalities and more kind of uh, aggressive personalities in our league. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. Kevin and Jay. Um, but I'm going to pick Kevin this week. I think Kevin gets a win, moves out of last place. And I, I just, I like him versus Jay and Jay this week. Philip Lindsay is going to gash Kansas city's defense. That's assuming that, you know, he plays the whole game and he doesn't punch somebody again and get ejected. Uh, and they're Kansas City's defense. They've given up the second most fantasy points to running back so far this year. And then plus two, Kevin has DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, and Mike Williams. Might be the best one-two flex combo in our league right now uh, for, for those three receivers. And then for J&J, I know Marshawn Lynch has been surprisingly steady so far, but Amari Cooper is MIA right now. And Russell Wilson, too, he, he needs Doug Baldwin right now. And I don't think he's coming back this week. So, giving it to Kevin. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Kevin on this one, too. And I'm going to make a suggestion to Kevin, and that is that he needs to change his name. Your worst nightmare is not working at all. Your boy Kiko <laughs> has been on fire for you. I mean, on 13-22, 14.75. I think it's time to uh, change the name back to whatever it was before where he had something with Kiko and uh, start this this rise from the ashes uh, in last place. Zach, I think this next matchup is probably going to be the best name in a long time, maybe the best ever. I'll let you be the judge of that. But this one is Dragon Energy versus Kemp's Crew. This is the battle for Sue. <laughs> yes, that's great. That is great. Yeah, so the battle for Jake's mom, the battle for Sue – uh, I'm giving this one to Rish. Like I said, this is the year of Rish. I'm not picking against him. I'm still not picking against Rish, picking against Rish, and I may not until I play him in week six. So after just 11 points a week one, Matt Ryan has posted 35 and 48-point weeks. Just insane. He's thrown for seven touchdowns, and he's rushed for one. And I mentioned earlier, you know, that DeAndre Hopkins, if he and Evans, you know, for Kevin, if they're the best wide receiver duo in our league – Odell Beckham Jr. and A.J. Green are the second best. So Rish has just a great roster, although I really think he needs to improve and upgrade at running back because Kenny and Drake and uh, you know Freeman, they're, just, they're not enough right now, and it's not enough to beat Jake this week. So uh, I, it's, it's enough to beat Jake this week, I should say. So I'm giving this one to Rish. 
I'm giving this one to Rish, and I would go, you know, talk about both lineups, but there's only one reason that Rish is going to win this this game. Do you know why? I I don't. I can't think because of it. Because Brandon McManus is on Rish's team. Oh man. So it's uh, it's Rish. Easy. What a what a storied history there. And then Zach, this last matchup here, this is with you, Zach. And uh, let's go ahead and talk about this next one here, and we'll welcome on our next guests. It's time for the call of the week. Zach, we welcome on your week four matchup. H&F Industries squaring off with West Coast Wombats. We've got Courtney Norton and Matt Collins on the show tonight. Guys, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing well. How's it doing? Hey, doing well. I like having two managers on at once because sometimes there's uh, people talk at the same time, and we don't get to do this that often. But uh, you guys are the newest combined team through three weeks so far. How's it been? You know, working as a pair. Uh, you know, making your lineup together. How was the draft together? Doing everything together. How's it been so far? Uh, it's been good from my perspective. Being in the league last year solo, uh, I was I've never done a co-managing situation, but been good we've worked well together we've really been able to especially me I've, I've had to be out on a couple of different things and so Courtney's been able to do those things for us and um and then as far as the lineup goes Courtney can speak for himself but I feel like we've we go back and forth uh not quite daily but a lot during the week and kind of pick each other's brain and then go from there with the lineup so yeah we we kind of we seem to work really well together and uh you know, we really kind of seem to have the same thoughts on on just about all on just about everything we uh, we discuss. Yeah. So it's been it's been real smooth and uh, uh, it's obviously uh, paying dividends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Worked let's, out far. Let's do a little draft recap. And I I remember Matt maybe missed the first couple of rounds at the draft. So Courtney, right. I think you you took it on for the first few rounds at least. What went in the decision to take Alvin Kamara there at number five? I know you had a couple of options there. What did you like about Alvin Kamara? And clearly it's it's paid off already. Yeah, Kamara was uh, was on our radar, uh, on both of our radar, um, just early on, uh, especially how he ended the year last year. We just felt like that was going to be a real strong pick, at, especially number five. So, uh, I mean, he's, of course, in a high-powered offense, so we just thought that was going to be a good – uh, just a real good pick for us all year long. So uh, we were on the same page going into the draft about that. So it was pretty much a no-brainer. So, and, and Matt, when you show up a little late to the draft and you see all the picks that Cordy had made without you, did you like what you'd seen so far on, on the roster sheet there when you showed up? Yeah, we were, we were actually in, in constant communication. Uh, we had a Google Doc that we were sharing that I was, I was watching as the picks came in. Um, while I was gone and so I knew exactly what he was doing and we were talking the whole time so yeah we were we were on the same page even though I wasn't there I was I was able to be involved a little bit from where I was hey I'll say this too maybe some people in our league are surprised by this you know you guys being paired up for the first time working together for the first time but uh, WCW sitting there at second place after three weeks I know uh, maybe Ross and Reed are, are a little surprised there but I'm sure you guys aren't how exciting is it to be in second place this early in the year yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I don't, I don't know that anybody really cares what Ross and Reed think about anybody's place in the league, um, but we especially don't. Um, but yeah, we're, I don't know that we're surprised. I mean, it's, a, it's a matchup-based league, obviously week to week, and so we're not coming in with the, with the largest number of points, but 
that's not what it's about at the end of the day. You got to win. The, you got to win against the guy in front of you, and so that's what we've been able to do. And uh, Kamara's helped us out, obviously, but we've had. I feel like we've had a pretty. Um, each week we're we have like one at least one IDP that shows up big for us, and so that's been huge because we've we've struggled in some areas, and so um, yeah, it, it's it's been a pretty cool ride so far. Hey Matt, two real quick. What's what's been maybe give the story of the rivalry with with Ross Garrison? I know you guys were kind of uh, rival youth ministers there for a little bit, but is that what it dates back to? Is your your days as, as being youth ministers? Yeah, I'm not sure if you consider rival youth ministry a thing uh, because Ross is. I feel like I had a pretty good hand in driving Ross out of the Cooksville youth ministry market. Um, so I, I'm not sure that a rival. It's kind of like Tennessee and Florida. Once you win so many times, is it a rivalry anymore? You know what I mean? Right. Um, so yeah, but Ross, it, it really started, I guess, when I first moved to town, and and Ross had this, I guess, rivalry budding with John Nichols and with and with Zach, and they were art, and they were at Jefferson, and so I kind of came in and. You know, I was on on the fringe, you know, kind of observing this robbery, and then um, after after a little bit, I was able to jump right in and, and take on full ownership of a of a robbery against Ross. And I feel like it's uh, it's really been good for me um, and not great for Ross, which is what you want in a robbery. Yeah, and Courtney, I feel like you know, I feel like Matt prepped you really well because from the start, I mean, even when we all first met you in this league, the rivalry has already started with you and and Ross and Reed out. How uh, how did this get started? How did how did Matt Lupien and convince you that this was a rivalry? Well, I was kind of uh, cued in from uh, from a little while back to uh, around uh, some John Nichols days. Uh, I spent a lot of time with John Nichols, and you know Ross would. Uh, try to try to hang around and, uh, you know, try to do his thing. But, uh, you know, as you've seen a couple of times before, I just give him the gaze and he just automatically steps back in his place. So uh, that's kind <laughs> of been, it's kind of been what it's been since then. You know, I just give him the gaze and he just steps back in his place. So uh, I guess whenever he steps up and tries to make it a rivalry, I guess we'll try to go there. But for right now, uh, he knows his role. Yeah, and Collins, what's the what's the number one goal for for West Coast Wombats this year? I think I think I know the answer to this question, but what's the one thing you want to accomplish uh, with the CMB Fantasy Football League? Yeah, we want to dominate. We want to dominate uh, East Coast Wombats. Um, we uh, last year was good because I finished ahead of them in the rankings, um, but I didn't beat Ross head to head, and so I felt like I needed I needed something to put us over the top and really accomplish what we set out to do. And I think Courtney um, has brought a lot of added firepower to that. And uh, I feel like right now we're in a good place um, to accomplish our goal. And, uh, you know, we'd like to win the league. Obviously, a jersey's not a bad thing. But first, we want to we wanna make sure that our season begins and ends by beating East Coast Wombats. Yeah, I like it. And Hey, not to get ahead of ourselves here, I mean, you guys don't play East Coast Wombats till week seven, so you have a few weeks to prepare for that. But there is a matchup this week with H&F. What do you guys like about your your matchup this week with them? Uh, who, who do you think wins this one, Courtney? Uh, well, H and F they've been making a lot of moves, uh, a lot of uh, savvy moves. So uh, I think we're going to have to really uh, just you know look at our lineups, look at our matchups, and uh, just figure out what the best what the best uh, lineup to have uh, going in. I think maybe we get Alshon Jeffrey back this week. Uh, uh, I don't know if we want to play him against a strong Titans defense, but, you know, uh, that's going to take a little bit of handcuff off our roster. So 
Uh, I feel pretty good. Uh, you know, I think they've scored more points than we have, but we've been solid uh, week in and week out. So I feel pretty good about our chances. Yeah, you mentioned the moves H&F has made, and I feel like this is kind of awkward timing because this is usually the part of the interview where Zach asks if there are any players that you guys want to put on the trade block. But seeing as you guys are playing H&F this week, Zach, do you have that request? or? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's open to the whole league. So is there anybody that you guys are looking to move? that you want the league to know about? Is there any position that you guys need help in? Well, we're, we're really hoping Zach to snag Des Bryant off your roster, but I don't know that's going to happen this week. I think he's got a pretty bad matchup, but otherwise otherwise I think we're in pretty good shape. All right. And, and Zach always too, Zach likes to, you know, open the floor for people that come on this podcast to kind of air some grievances or maybe, you know, share some smack talk. But Matt and Courtney, you guys have done that throughout this entire interview, so we won't put you on the spot there. I uh, really appreciate you guys coming on, and best of luck against Zach and Brian this week. Yeah, man, appreciate right. it. Thanks. Thanks for having us. All right, Zach, I, I think you picked a really good time to play against the team we had on as the call of the week because it's it's so clear and evident that the the history with Ross and Reed – there is a rivalry there. They spent no time throwing shade at you and Brian this week. They're you're the actual opponent. They spent more time on Ross and Reed. I think ECW owns real estate in WCW's head. Yeah, I mean, it's been like that since, you know, they teamed up. So that was their main mission when they came on that one time and announced that they were joining up. And uh, that is definitely still their mission. Courtney, a great addition to the league again WCW, second place. Yeah, one of the only left undefeated teams. Hot start for them. And, Zach, we did not have a hot start, I will say that. In our first week of doing Daily Fantasy, uh, this is something new we started this year. Week two, so our first official week of doing it, we finished fifth of sixth. So couldn't have been worse. Actually, it could have been. We could have finished last, but just it was awful. I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. And then even early in the, the day, when we set our lineup on Sunday, we kind of watched the day unfold. I, I almost texted you and said, maybe we should quit doing this. And Zach, the just miraculous thing happened, and we won. Yes. First, first place out of 10 teams. Is there a bumper to play, or just should we just yell? There we go. We we won first out of ten. That's I in I don't play DFS that much. I actually just started playing more now that we've done this segment, but nine dollar winning, so not anything crazy. Put in five, one nine, and Zach Fitzmagic really won us the day. Yeah, that was a roller coaster game for you. I know you said it was one of the best ones that you've watched uh, Monday night football. And I would imagine it's because it was quite the roller coaster as Fitzmagic started off so bad and then Man, he 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 redeemed himself there in the second half. He came alive. Plus, I mean, last week too, I was playing against Antonio Brown uh, for J and J, so I was I was up against that. He had a first half touchdown, and I was getting really nervous. But thinking about our DFS lineup, I had a lot at stake there too. And we had Fitzmagic brought us back from the the pits, and we ended up winning. We're uh, you know that's the that's the nice thing about daily fantasies. We get to start over again. So Zach, let's. Let's do our week four lineup. We already created this before the episode aired, uh, so or before we started recording here. So let's just go like we did last time. We'll go through the entire lineup. And at quarterback, Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle. Okay. 
I, Zach, were you overly excited about Andy Dalton, or is this kind of like a might as well? No, and as long as A.J. Green plays, I'm good with that. Agreed. And he's playing against Atlanta, who just has been porous. I mean, we watched Drew Brees light up the field on Sunday when they played the Falcons. So I like that matchup. At running back, we've got Saquon Barkley, uh, the Giants taking on uh, the Saints in that matchup. Then Zeke Elliott, so two of the NFC East quarter or running backs. Zeke Elliott playing the Lions there. I like that matchup. Mentioned Will Fuller earlier, all the touchdowns he's had with Deshaun Watson, so he's our, our wide receiver there. Calvin Ridley as another receiver. Of course, his stock and his price has risen in DFS after the three-touchdown game last week, but I think he can do it again. Matt Ryan's just on fire. And yeah. then, Zach, Zach, you have a little bit more personal stake in this one because this player is on H&F, but Adam Thielen playing against uh, the Rams, who you know they sent a keep to lead to IR today, and Marcus Peters isn't cleared to play. So Adam Thielen could be a, a good get for us. Tight end, David Njoku, who we also mentioned. We like him in the first full week with Baker. Flex spot, Geronimo Allison, receiver for the Packers. And our defense is the Houston Texans against the Colts, against uh, Noodle Arm Andrew Luck. So, Zach, I, I think this may be the first week where we don't make any lineup changes. Of course, this is subject to change, but how do you feel about this one? I feel good about this one. You know, as, as long as everybody's healthy and we don't have any surprises, you know, at the last minute, um, I like it. So we'll post this lineup, and hopefully we, uh, we finish like we did last week. They're in first place. And uh, this lineup is, like we said, through DraftKings. This one is a, another $5 entry. And we are in only – we're in a contest with just three players, winner takes all this week. So we'll, we'll see how this one goes. Zach, lastly here before we do Tweet of the Week, this is something we've talked about for a while. Uh, and we're finally getting it instituted here. But we're kind of calling this segment – this is the volunteer voicemail. So, Zach, maybe describe what this is and give us all the, the details on this. Yeah, it's just we want this to be an open line to you guys if you have any comments or uh, if you want to just, you know, uh, complain about a player on your team or something like that, you know, something that would be funny for the podcast. We want you guys to call in. Um, when you call this number, it goes straight to voicemail. So it's not even going to ring or, you know, you just leave a voicemail and then we'll play it on the the next episode of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, we're hoping that you guys will will take advantage of this. Did you say you wanted to put that number out? Yeah, it's uh, 931-292-4848. 931-292-4848. I like it. Zach, do you have a tweet of the week? I do not. All right, I, I will do two today just to make up for yours, but these are both Browns related because I'm just I'm, I'm big on the Cleveland Browns right now. First one here. This was a tweet from the Cleveland Browns Twitter account. So I think this is the first time we're actually using a NFL roster or an NFL team's Twitter account. But at Browns, they were tweeting about Baker and just how exciting that win was. They tweeted, want to note that there are 13 games left, a.k.a. a Baker's dozen. I'll see myself out. <laughs> I always like the I'll see myself out line. I like yep. And it has a gif of Homer Simpson, you know, drawing back into the bushes, which is always great. And then the next one here, this is from Brett McMurphy, who uh, at Brett underscore McMurphy, of course, the college football writer who broke the Urban Meyer story 
you know, so he's, he's a big name right now. Uh, used to work for ESPN. Now he does his own news through his Facebook, which is pretty insane. But he says here, this was not, this didn't get as much play as I thought it would, but he said current losing streaks, Washington generals, 5,124 games. Of course, they're the opponent that plays the Harlem Globetrotters. New England Patriots two, Cleveland Browns zero. I like it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good there. So those are the tweets of the week. Zach, we covered a lot here. Volunteer voicemail, guys. Please call that number, 931-292-4848. We had on Matt Collins and Courtney Norton from West Coast Wombats. Appreciate you guys coming on. And Richard Matthews, really weird story there of him quitting on the Titans. But hopefully, you know, you guys don't have any players that quit on you this week. Episode 94 in the books. Zach, see you next week. That's a W. That's E1.